I'm Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint. And I want to start off this morning by saying Happy Mother's Day. I believe that uh, being a mother has got to be one of the highest calls that God has placed on anybody. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to write a uh, Happy Mother's Day card to my mom. And I told her that, you know, um, I wouldn't be who I am today or doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for her influence and guidance in my life. So moms, I want to, to understand what you do and the role that you play in your children's life is extremely important. Don't ever despise or, or think light of what God has called you to do. It's very, very important. Today, we're going to continue on in our series on heaven. Inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline in it entitled, What Will Our Bodies Be Like in Heaven? And if you need a pen to fill in the blanks as you follow along, if you just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen. Last week, John, our senior pastor, uh, talked about what heaven will be like. And if you didn't get the opportunity to listen to that message, I want to encourage you to go on our website and, and watch that or download it from iTunes. I think you'd be greatly encouraged by that message. Today, we're going to talk about what we're going to be like in heaven. Not only what we're going to be like in heaven, but what will our bodies be like in heaven. And I hope it's going to be encouraging to you as well. Um, I had someone ask me oh, if we're talking about heaven, but how does, why are we talking about heaven? Why are we spending so much time talking about heaven? I said, well, I'm glad you asked because point one on your outline actually states that how we think about heaven should impact the way we live upon the earth. Here we live here on earth. When Jesus' disciples had come to Jesus and they asked him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Jesus took them up on a mountainside and he taught them the Lord's Prayer, and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Um, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught them to pray that when you pray, pray that God's will would be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. And if we're going to pray those type of prayers, I think it's important that we study and we understand what heaven is like. That we... take a look and we wonder and we think about heaven. Colossians uh, says this, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not earth. And the truth of the matter is what we need to understand is the realities of heaven are more real than the realities of this earth. And let me explain to you what I'm talking about. The Bible clearly states that this earth and everything in this earth is passing away. But heaven is for eternity. Heaven is more real than earth because heaven will never, ever pass away. Today we're going to talk about what are we going to be like in heaven? What will our bodies be? But before we get started, I want us to have a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Lord, we want to come before you this morning And, Lord God, we want to uh, thank you, Lord God, that we have a hope that there will one day be with you in heaven. And as we take a look this morning in your word of what we're going to be like, I pray that, Lord God, that it would be impactful for us today, that it would impact the way we live here upon the earth. I pray as I speak this morning, I speak your scripture, I pray that you would move me out of the way and that you would have your will in this service today. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what will we be like in heaven? Point two on your outline states that in heaven, we will have brand new bodies. And as we go throughout this outline today, you're going to see that scripture is very clear 
that we're going to have brand new bodies in heaven. And since that's the case, there's times that I've often wondered, okay, if we're going to have brand new bodies, is there any way, God, that I can make some suggestion to some changes to my new body? Because I'm not real happy with the one that I have. And, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I think this could actually be a reality. So you've got to understand that there are some principles in God's kingdom that are upside down. And let me give you some examples. In God's kingdom, it says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It also says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That if you want to be a great leader, then you must become a great servant. So it stands to reason for me that in heaven there's a possibility that the tall will be short and the short will be tall. I'm just saying, okay? But, you know, so sometimes I've stand around and I think, okay, well, what would that be like? What would it be like in heaven? So sometimes I think that it could actually be something like, well, something like, like this. Just, just saying, okay? I mean, you know, there's a possibility, there's a chance. But, you know, in truth, the, the truth of the matter is that, that that's not reality. God is going to give us the bodies in heavens, the one that he wants us to have. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Well, that's a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And when you put it into the ground, it's not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed or wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body that he wants it to have. And you go ahead and underline that. God's going to give us, just like he's going to give us the the plant, the body it wants it to have, he's going to give us the bodies that he wants us to have. A different A different plant grows from each kind of seed. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. When Paul was asked about what kind of bodies we were going to have, he um, compared it to a seed. What I've got in my hand right now, I know you can hardly see it, is is a corn. Corn is simply a seed. And he said, when you take this seed and you plant it in the ground... It becomes something different. It becomes something brand new. And that is what will happen to us when we die and we are with him in heaven. We will have brand new bodies. You know what's cool about that is not only are we going to have brand new bodies, point A on your outline states this, that our new bodies in heaven will be far superior to the bodies we now have. Not only are we going to get brand new bodies, we're going to get better and improved bodies. Listen to how Corinthians continues on. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They will be buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Paul was saying this, in heaven, our bodies will not be broken. They will be glorious. Our bodies in heaven will not be weak. They will be strong. They will not be physical bodies. They will be spiritual bodies. They will be better bodies. Listen to how Paul put it in Philippians. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. 
Once again, he will take our weak mortal bodies and he will change them into glorious bodies similar to his glorious body. Now, Scripture gives us some glimpses of what Jesus' glorious body looked like and what it was like. And so, after Jesus had been crucified and they had put nails in his wrist and thorns on his head and they had pierced his side and he died, three days later, he rose from the grave. And he appears to his disciples. And when he appears to his disciples, he has a new and improved body. Let me give you a glimpse of what happened. His disciples are all in a room, all of his disciples except for Thomas. Thomas didn't happen to be here at this meeting. But this is what happened in John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. So the disciples are in this room and they're, they've locked the door because they're scared of the Jewish leaders. Because three days later, three days earlier, they had crucified Jesus and they were scared. So they're in this room and all of a sudden, voila, Jesus just appears. I don't know about you, but that's pretty darn cool. I mean, he just appears. Locked doors had no effect on him. The walls had no, couldn't hold him back. I mean, he's just all of a sudden, he's in the room. And I think that's pretty cool. But let me tell you something that's even, I think is even cooler than that. I told you that he's in that room and he begins to show his disciples his wounds and his hands and in his side. Thomas wasn't there, but a few days later, Jesus reappears to them. And not only does he say, look at my scars, he says, put your hand in my scars. Touch my scars. Feel them. Prove to you that I'm real. Now, I've got a four-year-old son who is a just as a boy as boy can be. And he was at daycare and he was running around playing on the playground. And he did like most of us boys did about that age. He was playing a little bit too hard and running a little too fast. And he just fell on the ground and skinned his knee all up. And can I tell you, when we went to doctor that knee, he would not let us touch us. I mean, he threw an all out fit. Stay away from this. It hurts. That's been four, five days ago. And when you still go to put him in the bathtub and you still go to touch it, you still go to doctor, he still says, don't touch. But yet here's Jesus who had been crucified just three days earlier and had his hands pierced and a sword pierced into his side. Those are some pretty big wounds. And he's saying, touch them. And here's what I want you to understand is that pain and the limitations of this world will no longer have an effect or a hold on our new bodies. And that is good news. We will have new and glorious bodies similar to his. Now listen, point B states this, that our new bodies will only be new and improved, but they will be related to our current bodies. This seed, this corn right here, okay, this is corn. This is corn. All the DNA that's in this little seed is the same DNA that's in this plant. Different bodies, same DNA. They're related. They're similar. And that's how our bodies will be in heaven. They will be related to the bodies that we have and who we are here upon the earth. When he, when he appeared to his disciples, though he might have looked a little different, they still recognized him. They still knew who he was. Here's another glimpse that we get to see of Jesus in his glorious state. It was recorded for us in Luke. It says, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. 
and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus, and they were glorious to see. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, and when they awoke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorial, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, our bodies are going to be similar or be related to the ones we have here or who we are here. When Peter, when Jesus takes Peter and James and John up onto the mountain, they do what they always do when Jesus takes them up on a mountain to, to pray. They fall asleep. They have a tendency to do that. But when they wake up, all of a sudden they see Jesus. Jesus has changed. It says the appearance of his face has changed. They said his clothes are dazzling white. But here's what I want you to understand. They still recognized who Jesus was. Not only did they recognize who Jesus was, they recognized who Moses was, who had gone away from this world some 1,500 years earlier. They recognized who Elijah was, who had left this world 800 years earlier. Now, I'm sure that Moses and Elijah could have had name tags on, but that's not what you see. That's not what you think. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was still Jesus. Moses was still Moses. Elijah was still Elijah. And Peter recognized them. And that's another note on your outline. In heaven, we will know each other. We will know each other in heaven. Seems to me that Moses knew who Elijah was. And Elijah knew who Moses was. And Moses knew who Jesus was. And Peter knew who they all were. So it stands to reason to me that I'm going to know who you are. And you're going to know who I am in heaven. We're going to have new and improved bodies in heaven that are similar or related to the bodies and who we are here upon the earth. When we go to heaven, you don't just get a good, clean, hard reset of who you are. You're still you, and I'm still me. Here's something that's even better than having a new body. It's point C on your outline, is that our new bodies will no longer struggle with sin, suffering, or sorrow. We will no longer struggle with that. When God created the earth, he created it and he said that it was good. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them and he said that they were good. He created them exactly as he intended them to be. But Adam and Eve willfully disobeyed God. And when they willfully rebelled against God, God, there was a curse that was placed Upon this earth in death and sin and sorrow and pain and trouble came along with it. And there will be a day when we're in heaven when we are no longer subjected to those to that curse. There will be no more. Here's how Paul puts it as he continues in Romans. He says against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we will know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, you turn your page. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. 
For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. In heaven, there will be no more headaches. In heaven, we will no longer have to deal with allergies. Amen. In heaven, there will be no more diabetes. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more cerebral palsy. There will be no more disabilities. There will be no more blind eyes. We will no longer be under the curse. We will be as God created and intended us to be. And that will be wonderful. But I want to share with something with you that is even more wonderful than that. Not not only will we not have to deal with pain and suffering, we will no longer have to deal with our sinful nature. We will no longer have to fight this battle that we fight within us when we know what we ought to do, but yet we don't do it. When the desires of our flesh overcome the desires of our spirit and this battle has continued to be raged in us, that battle will cease. Here's how Paul talks about how we are today. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Paul understood this, that the battle that he faced was the battle against his sinful nature. And that that sinful nature that lives within all of us causes us to do things that we know we should not do. And in heaven, we will no longer fight that. In heaven, we will no longer have to fight the urge to overcome our flesh. And when we know we shouldn't eat too much, but yet we eat too much. We know we shouldn't drink too much, but we drink too much. We know we shouldn't deal with lust and look at other people of the opposite sex with a lustful attitude or lustful eye, but when I go to the beach, I do it anyway. And that thing that's within us that we struggle with and we battle with will no longer be a struggle. We will no longer struggle with anger or jealousy or envy or strife. That is good news. Amen? That will all be done away with. And you know, that's one of the reasons why if you come to a funeral that that one of the pastors here at Centerpoint, we talk about this a lot, that one of the things that we we don't um, ponder on is the addictions or the struggles that that person had in this life. Especially if they knew Jesus Christ and they're going on to a better place because all of those struggles with the sins, they don't carry that with them that stays in the grave. And so we focus on what they're going to be, not who they were. It's a powerful thing. All of us get a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven from time to time. I mean, remember the time that you first surrendered your life completely and totally to Jesus Christ and you gave him your life. And all of a sudden that, that sense of freedom and that sense of peace and that sense of joy came flooding into your heart. That was a little foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. 
Or maybe you struggle with an addiction or you struggle with sin and all of a sudden through the power of the Holy Spirit, you had that one moment in time where all of a sudden you said, no, I'm not going to drink. No, I'm not going to look at pornography on my computer. No, I'm not going to do this. And you had the power to overcome it in that moment through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was a foretaste of what heaven will be like. Or maybe there was a moment in your life where God did a miracle in your life and he provided for you supernaturally. Or maybe he did a miracle in your life and he touched your physical body in such a way that he healed it and all of a sudden it was whole. That was a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. Here's a note for you and me. Is that the Holy Spirit is a deposit if you want to write out beside that, a foretaste or a glimpse of how good life will be in heaven. We get glimpses, we get tastes of what heaven will be like because of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is, when He works in our lives, is a foretaste of what heaven will be like. When Jesus taught His disciples to pray, He taught them to pray, Lord, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you, when I get the opportunity to pray for someone who's going through a situation in this world that is going through pain or sorrow or suffering or through strife in their marriage or something like that. One of the prayers that I pray is that, God, I pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in this situation. If I'm dealing with someone who's having trouble in their marriage, I pray, Lord, I pray that your kingdom come, that your will will be done in this marriage as it is in heaven. In heaven, there will be no more strife. In heaven, there will be no more division. And I pray that, Lord God, that you would cause that to happen in their marriage. When I get the opportunity from time to time to pray with someone who's sick, it's what I pray. I pray, Lord, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there are no sick bodies. So I'm praying for your kingdom to come in this situation. And from time to time, God will allow us to have a glimpse of what that is like when he answers those prayers. Or when I'm praying with someone with an addiction, or I'm praying someone that's going through some, a difficult situation, I always pray that their situation would be like what it would be like in heaven. It's an important and powerful prayer. Here's the good news, guys. We get a brand new body. It's going to be similar to the one we have, but it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a body that no longer struggles with sin, sorrow, suffering, pain. All of that will be gone away. And the only way that we get to experience that is that if we surrender our lives 100 and totally complete, 100%, to Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and you know who he is and what he's done in his life, and you've surrendered your life to him, this is good news for us. 
We get to experience new life and a new body. But it's only through what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we can have this hope. That we can live with him forever. Now point three on your outline states this. That we need new bodies because our present bodies were never designed to last forever. If we're going to live with Jesus forever, we need new bodies Here's how Corinthians continues. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies Our our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. To live with Christ forever, we need immortal bodies. And we can get it one of two ways. We can get it when we die and we go to heaven. Or when Jesus Christ comes back in the twinkling of an eye, it says that we will be transformed into our new heavenly state. One of two ways. But we must get new bodies. And I'm glad because I don't know about you, but this old body of mine is... I'm, the older I get, the more I find out that it is breaking down. It doesn't work the way it used to work. Listen to what 1 Peter one twenty four says about this. People are like grass, and their beauty is like flower in the field, like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. Guys, we are not on this earth for a very long period of time. And the older I get, the quicker, for some reason, my birthday keeps coming around. Comes around faster. But here's something even crazier than that. We're in the prime of our life even shorter than the time that we are on earth. Think about that. I mean, we're only in the prime of our life from what, like 18 to maybe 30, 31, 32, something like that? But yet, all of a sudden, that's what we hold on to. And here's a life application for us. We need to focus more on our character than our outward appearance. Second Corinthians says, Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, we live in a society that does not want to um, grasp this, that wants to deny the fact that we're aging. As a matter of fact, we do everything in our power to hold on to that prime state of life, to stay looking young, to stay looking beautiful. Just go to any store and you can find all kinds of products that will help you stay looking young. You got anti-aging cream that will make sure your wrinkles don't start showing. And if you start getting a little bit of gray like I'm starting to get, you've got, you can go to the store and get hair color to make sure you color your hair so you'll look younger. And if you don't have hair to color, we got products for that too to help your hair grow or keep the little hair that you've got. And we do all of this to make ourselves stay look younger because it's what we value in our society. We value our appearances. And we shouldn't be that way. Listen to what 1 Timothy 4.8 says. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising the benefits in this life And in the life to come. We focus way too much on our outward appearance. I mean, we will 
take time and we will, uh, we will make sure that we make sure we make that appointment to go to the gym for an hour and a half to make sure we're in shape and we look good. Or, by golly, make sure we're not going to miss that a hair appointment that we set four months down the road to make sure that our hair is going to look right. We don't miss those things because we want to look good, but yet sometimes we find it hard to spend just 10 minutes a day reading God's Word. Or sometimes we find it hard to make it to our connect group or to make it to church. And This isn't to make us feel bad about ourselves, but it's to make us then look and to see where are our priorities in this life. Because these physical bodies are dying, but our inward man is being renewed and it will last forever. And But we put our focus on the wrong thing. We need to work on becoming more godly and our godly character needs to be changed. And we need to spend time in God's word, learning how to obey what he's called us to do. We need to spend time in prayer and in worship so we can know who he is, so we can become more like him. So when we see him, we'll be more like who he is. First Peter 3, 3 through 4 says this, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles or expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Our physical bodies are fading away. But this scripture just told us that our inward body, our inward beauty will never fade. It will never fade. Let's concentrate and be more concerned and have our right perspective and keeping the main thing the main thing. Our inward bodies, our inward person is much more important than our physical appearance. We're going to get new bodies. We're going to get new and good and glorious bodies. But here's the kicker. Here's note. To gain our new bodies in heaven, we must die first. For this plant to become what it is, this seed must be put into the ground and go through a process called germination to become something new. For you and I to gain our new bodies, we must go through a process called death. It's the process that God has placed that we can enjoy our new bodies. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. And here's a life application for us. We do not fear death. As Christians, we view death as a gateway or a doorway to something better. If we believe what this scripture says and what I spoke today, then guess what? Our lives are going to be much better on the other side of death. And if our lives are going to be much better on the other side of death, why should we ever fear dying? 1 Corinthians 15.54 says this, When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? If we know Christ, we have this hope 
that's in us, then one day things are going to be much, much, much better. We're going to have bodies that don't deal with sin, don't deal with pain, don't deal with suffering. And it will be a good and glorious day. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, I thank you for the fact that we have this hope that you have given us. That one day we will be in a much better state than we are right now. Lord, thank you for that hope. Thank you for that promise. And Lord, because you've given us that promise, Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that we would uh, focus more on who we are on the inside than who we are on the outside. Lord God, that we would uh, worry about the part that's going to live on forever, not the part that's dying. And Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord God, that you've given us a challenge, Lord God, this morning, Lord God, to live our life in light of eternity. This life is very, very short. And our beauty fades. But Lord God, one day we will live with you in eternity, forever. I want to thank you for that. And I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.